today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Our God is in charge of His creation. He's totally aware of what's going on within our lives. And that's the awesome thing. We have a personal God, a personal Savior who knows our weaknesses. He knows our frame. He knows the number of our days. He knows every aspect about us. Even to, as the word says, He knows the numbers of the hairs on our head and As the old joke goes, for some of us, we just make it easier and easier for the Lord, aren't we? So God knows what's going on in the chaos, even, of our lives. Do you go through trials every Sunday when you're trying to get ready to go to church? We are going to experience chaos on a regular basis. Pastor David wants to remind us that the Lord has us covered even during those chaotic times. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Imagine knowing someone so intimately. So next time you're in a bind or feeling pressure, we need to remember that God's got this. We need to let go and let God. He can handle it much better than we can anyways. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 11 with today's edition of The Open Word. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Well, we are currently in our study in the book of Revelation, and we touched on the first part of chapter 11 last week. We're going to finish up chapter 11 this evening. In Matthew chapter 24, though, you don't necessarily need to go there, but it's in Matthew 24 that Jesus gives this rather lengthy discourse about the last days. And in the middle of that discourse, he tells his followers in Matthew 24, verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days are shortened, no flesh will be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Jesus is speaking there to his disciples of a time of tribulation like no other time that the earth has ever experienced at all. But as we look at the history of mankind, we realize that there's been an abundance of tribulations. Amen? Yeah, you know, just look through the history. There's been numerous famines, there's been plagues, there's been droughts. All along with these, history records these enormous volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, tornadoes, typhoons, some that wipe out entire cities, some that wipe out entire people groups because of what's going on with them. Along with these natural disasters, there's been acts of human genocide, there's been ethnic cleansing, there's been all-out human brutality. We see that going on even today. 
There was an entire age, a time frame within our world's history that was called the Dark Ages. And in the midst of those dark ages, there was mass poverty, there was all kinds of disease and death, inhumane treatment of whole people groups again, this overarching human wickedness and evil that seemed to permeate the entire planet at that point in time. We've had wars that were so encompassing that we actually called them world wars. Two of those that we've had. In World War I, the estimated total number of military dead was 10 million. 10 million. That's absolutely mind-boggling. You add to that then 7 million civilian casualties and nearly 30 million wounded, missing, or imprisoned to that. That was World War I. So how horrific can it get? Well, we answered that question about 20 years after we ended World War I when the world started World War II. In World War II, the estimated total of all deaths attributed to World War II ranges from 50 to 80 million souls. Along with military personnel that were killed in action, there was also within that group an estimated 38 to 55 million of those were civilians that were killed in World War II. And on top of that, you include 13 to 20 million people that had war-related diseases or famine that died from those. So you had all of these together, and imagine how horrendous that would be. That many people. You need to be reminded then as horrific as that was, as, as just mind-boggling as that was, Jesus said there's going to come a time of great tribulation that's going to be worse than anything the world has ever seen or ever will see. So as bad as World War II was, as bad as some of the other events in our history of the world was, there's yet more to come. And that's going to be that great tribulation. And as we've been studying in Revelation, we've seen a portion of this end time scenario. It's brought about just what we've talked about in this end times. Natural disasters, diseases, plagues that have gone through, wars, human wickedness of all kinds that are happening throughout the earth. And we've gone through the seven seals. We've gone through six of the seven trumpets. Last week, we finished up the study in Revelation 11, verse 14, with these words. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So even as bad as it was in the first woe and the second woe, the third woe is yet to happen. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet. As bad as it's been, it's going to get even worse. And so we're about to enter into that third and that final woe. But before that third woe is introduced, there's another season of worship within the heavenlies. Look at what it says in verse 15. This is chapter 11 of the book of Revelation, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. How many of you remember Handel's Messiah? Yeah, okay. It's where he gets the words from the Bible. Amazing, isn't it? Yes. Verse 16, 
And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. So once again, there appears this change of scene going on in the heavens. Now, again, as we talked last week, we've had John in the heavens, and it seemed like he was on the earth again. It seems now he's back in the heavens again. Most believe that Revelation, that the book of Revelation, these sections of Revelation, they're laying out this seven-year period of the tribulation period. We've seen up until this point, I believe, those first three years. We're now about to enter into the second half of the tribulation period and really what's called the worst of the great tribulation. This time of worship appears to be coming again from the inhabitants of heaven. As it says there, the 24 elders who sat before God on the thrones. It also says that there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So all of this stuff happening in heaven, I believe with an anticipation of what's coming next. They speak of the eternality of Almighty God as the fact that even in the midst of what appears to be absolute chaos in the earth, all you have to do is back up any number of chapters and start reading. And then when you get to this, you realize that the world at this point in time, uh, so much devastation, so much destruction, so much death, so much disease, so many things that are going on. And yet now they rise up and they say, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. In his reigning, I believe that his plans and his purposes are being worked out, even as they declare in a little bit that your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged. You see, right in the midst of all this chaos, God has a plan and a purpose. Now, that's something for you and I to remember every day in our life. Anybody go through chaos lately? Within the last hour, maybe? Chaos, it happens within life. But one of the things that you and I need to continually realize is, Our God is in charge of his creation. He's totally aware of what's going on within our lives. And that's the awesome thing. We have a personal God, a personal Savior who knows our weaknesses. He knows our frame. He knows the number of our days. He knows every aspect about us. Even to, as the word says, he knows the numbers of the hairs on our head and As the old joke goes, for some of us, we just make it easier and easier for the Lord, aren't we? So God knows what's going on in the chaos, even, of our lives. And he has a plan, and he has a purpose. In the midst of chaos, that's hard to understand, isn't it? It is. It's hard, man, when you are just overwhelmed and your world is falling apart. But, beloved, that's why, no matter where you're at, whatever station you're at, you need to focus on the sovereignty of and the omnipotence of Almighty God. If you haven't figured out 
the sovereignty, the overarching, reigning, ruling position of our God, and the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of our God. If you haven't figured that out yet, when you hit chaos, you will fall apart. That may be the only thing that holds you together in the midst of chaos, knowing that, you know what? God, I don't understand what's going on in my life, but I know that you are God, and that is where I drive my stake. It's where I hold on to things. I know that you are God and that you're aware of everything. You know, whether it's a time of new construction or even a major remodeling project, for those that don't have eyes for the completed project, the middle of that project is a hard place to be. You see the mess. You see what appears to be just absolute chaos, and there is absolutely nothing usable in any of this as far as you're concerned. But if you're the architect, if you're the one that's designed the remodel, the new construction, whatever it might be, you have the finished picture in your mind. And even in the midst of chaos, hey, I know it's chaos. It's okay. It's okay. Because tomorrow this is going to happen. The next week this is going to happen. I know because I've designed this thing. I've planned it. I've purposed it. And in the middle of the mess... God says, that's okay, that's okay. I'm working out my plan and my purpose. It says here that in verse 18, it says, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The nations were angry. They continued to rebel against God. And we saw that in these earlier chapters as all of these things came down upon them. They continued on. And I just look over in chapter 9, verse 20, it says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed in all of these plagues, they didn't repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship again the demons, the idols of gold, the brass, the silver, the stone, the wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murderers or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So in the midst of that, they're angry at God because all this is going on. They don't repent. I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 2. Wonderful psalm. People rebelling against God. They rebel in anger. The psalmist doesn't get it in much the same way as we look at people in their actions and we wonder, why do you continue to live that way? Why do you continue to make the choices that you're making when you see the consequences of those choices, either in your life or the life of your family or the life of others? Why do you continue to do that? And the psalmist is, in essence, asking the same question. But we really do know why. The reason is, is because rebellion is controlling their heart. Their heart is full of pride. Their heart is full of selfishness. Their heart is full of disobedience. Keep your place in Revelation. We'll be back there. Turn to the Old Testament, book of Psalm, in Psalms chapter 2. I love this particular psalm. He writes out, Why do the nations rage and the people plot this vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, did you catch that right there? This is Old Testament, okay? And what is he saying? Against Jehovah God, the Lord, and against his anointed Messiah, okay? Christ himself. It says they've taken counsel, they've set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. 
What kind of bonds, what kind of chords do you think they're saying? Well, the law of God. They counsel the direction of God, the work of God. I don't want to be directed by God. I don't want to have to be obedient to that. I don't want to be ruled by somebody else. I want to do my own thing. I want to control my own you know, ship. Well, good luck with that. That's called the Titanic, okay? You want to control your own ship? We got a name for it. Let us break their bonds in pieces, cast away their cords from us. And what does verse 4 say? He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. You want to break the bonds? Go ahead. I got a name for your ship. Okay. He says, the Lord shall hold them. In my New King James, it says, in derision. That means in contempt or disdain. And then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And he'll say, yet I have set my king on my holy hill in Zion. That could mean a couple of different things. That could mean the reigning position of Christ. But to me, when I look at that, I think, you know what? What hill was Christ set on by the Father? The hill called Golgotha, Calvary. In spite of man's rebellion, God says, you know what? But I'm going to set my son on that holy hill. Why? Because we so desperately need it. We so desperately need that forgiveness. It speaks of the fact that he sent Christ first as the sacrifice for our sin, but also the fact that he's going to come and he's going to stand on that holy hill Zion and he's going to speak again in judgment to the people then for all that they've said, all that they've done, the rebellion of their heart. Verse 7, still there in Psalm 2, he says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son, Today I have begotten you. This is that one, my king that sat on the holy hill. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you, speaking again to the son, to Christ, I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Beloved, that's not a promise to you and I as victorious believers. No, that is a promise to Christ because Christ is the one, again, who is going to break them with a rod of iron. It's Christ who is going to dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Here God speaks of the inheritance that is Christ, the nations, the earth for his possession, as well as that vengeance that's going to be poured out of his wrath against the people and against those nations that have continually, continually rejected him. And as the psalmist declares, this heavenly dialogue, he calls for a time of repentance while there's still time before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. Look at verse 10. He says, therefore now, or now therefore, be wise, O king. In other words, if we were to say that today, we'd say wise up. Wise up, you guys. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. I like that combination. Serve the Lord with fear, and yet at the same time, you rejoice with trembling. What do you mean? That's understanding the awesomeness of who God is. I mean, the fact is, Matt, I I rejoice in his presence, but I tremble in his presence. 
You're like Isaiah there. In the book of Isaiah, he, he stood before the throne. He said, woe is me. Man, I, I'm undone. I'm, I'm dead meat. It's over. I'm standing before Almighty God. There ought to be that reverence that we have with God, but yet also that rejoicing that we can be in his presence. At the same time, those two things working together, a reverent fear, a holy joyfulness that we can come to be able to be in his presence. And then verse 12, again, just a great announcement of the Messiah. He says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. It's interesting. And here the, the psalmist knew that even a little bit of God's wrath was going to bring about destruction. He says, lest you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Well, beloved on that great day, on those last days, that last three and a half years, it's not going to be his wrath kindled just a little bit. It's going to be the fullness of his wrath poured out on the nations and on the people who have rejected him. And so he says, though, he calls for the people in that time of repentance, hey, kings, man, be instructed. Get wise, wise up. Get instructed, you judges of the earth. He says, kiss the sun, kiss the sun. The word used here is the Hebrew word nashak, nashak. And it's not just an expression of love, like a husband would kiss the wife or the wife would kiss the husband or a parent a child. It's more an expression of worship and absolute adoration. So it's that idea of worship the son, adore the son. How do we avoid the wrath and the anger of Almighty God? We kiss the Son. We worship Him in obedience. We worship Him in truth. As we turn back now to Revelation chapter 11, we see actually for the world, even at this time, it's now too late. It is now too late. The opportunities at this point in time for God's grace, for God's mercy, I believe they're past. His fierce wrath is about to be unleashed. Remember, he's already sealed 144,000, and he's taken others that have come to him. He's called men to him. They continue to reject him. And now the second half of the Great Tribulation, I don't think that there's going to be any conversions. I don't believe that there's going to be anyone at that point in time coming to Christ or coming to awareness. I believe that the hardness of the heart of man has become so much that right now it's just the wrath of God. Now, there's going to be some that are already saved that have made it to that point. I just don't believe that there's going to be any conversions beyond that point. The opportunities, I believe, are past. The son is about to return, not with his mouth ready for that kiss of worship. No, he's now coming with out of his mouth is going to come this sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself, Revelation says, is going to rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. We're going to read that once we get to Revelation 19. And as we see here in Revelation 11, verse 18, we see not only this time of wrath that's being poured out, but we also see the blessings of his reward for those that have followed him. As the wrath has come and as the time of the dead has come, that they should be judged, he says, 
that he would reward his servants. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we know you'll want to come back for more. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen back through other teachings, you can find them all at theopenword.com under the Teachings tab. We hope today's message has touched your heart, settled some questions you've had, and maybe even caused you to ask a dozen more. If you do have questions, we'd love to do all we can to answer them. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd love to pray for you, too, and learn more about your journey of faith. Once again, that number is 520-836-9676. We believe that God has given us the church so that we can learn more about Him and about living together in community. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Thanks for listening to The Open Word. If you're in the Casa Grande area and looking for a church home, I'd love to meet you and shake your hand. Welcome you to our community of believers here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet weekly on Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible. You'll be able to find out more about us and get directions by visiting theopenword.com. And under the links at the bottom of the page, click on Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I look forward to meeting you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. But join us to learn more from the pages of Revelation right here on The Open Word. 